This program has been made possible through the support of Vanda, creators of solutions for non-24 disorder. ACB thanks Vanda for their support. Learn more about non-24 by visiting their website at www.non24.com. Opinions expressed on ACB Media are those of the respective program contributors and do not necessarily reflect the views held by the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Hi there, everyone. Welcome to uh, Non-Traditional Blind Sports in our session here this afternoon. Really excited to have you with us uh, to talk about some adaptive sports. I know I'm sure some of you know that I'm extremely passionate about this, this topic in this area. And we're super excited to have an amazing panel here joining us uh, today. First off, I did want to mention this event is uh, sponsored by ACB Next Generation. And uh, so we are the brand, the, the newest uh, special interest affiliate of ACB, uh, geared toward members between the ages of 18 and 40, although we do have a supporting class as well of members over 40. A lot of great membership perks and cool things you can get involved, when, involved in, a lot of great experience you can get. And uh, you can learn more by visiting acbnextgeneration.org. So as far as the first CEU code, uh, for those this applies to, the, the first code is 85030. Again, that's 85030. All right. So first off, I'd like to introduce our first panelist here. We'll go ahead and introduce all of them initially, and then we'll get into it. And first, we have Tom Fisher, who is the vice president of the North American Association of Blind Sportsmen from Gig Harbor, Washington. Tom, welcome. Thank you very much. Thanks so much for being here. Oh, no problem. I appreciate you guys having me on. And then we also have uh, two skateboarders uh, from Canada with us. Uh, first, we have Curtis Ruddle, who is the founder of Alt Root Project. Uh, Curtis, welcome. Thank you for very much for having us. Thanks for being here. We also have Matt Jans, who is the founder of Skate Bats. Uh, Matt, welcome. Hi. Hello from Canada. Hey there. Thanks, guys, for being here. And again, they're from Calgary, uh, Alberta, Canada. And certainly, last, last but not least, we have uh, Dr. Andre Watson, who is a Paralympian, uh, also clinical psychologist, very involved in audio darts. Dr. Watson, welcome. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for having me. And I should mention Dr. Watson is from Delaware County, Pennsylvania. All right, so let's go ahead and dive on in here. And we'll start with Tom, if you want to go ahead, Tom. Sure. Hey, thanks again, guys, for having me on. Uh, my name's Tom. I am here from the North American Association of Blind Sportsmen. And a little bit about our background. Um, we have Lance Mathena, who is our founder and CEO. We are 100% uh, nonprofit and Lance brought this around um, out of necessity. He was having troubles finding work, getting around, doing things, and he couldn't sit at home anymore. So he decided to start this nonprofit. And what we do is we take blind folks of all various degrees of blindness around the country at no cost to them to go hunting and fishing. And what that means is. We take them on their airfare, we handle their room and board, and we handle their food. The only thing they're responsible for is getting to the airport. We will pick them up at their destination, 
And uh, I have been fortunate enough to have gone hunting and fishing on some of these adventures. And I took my very first deer about two years after I went blind. So um, this was a huge thing for me. Um, I get to feed my family on it, which is some of the best meat you could ever get. The biggest thing that drives me behind this is getting to share my experiences in the outdoors with like-minded individuals or even somebody who thinks maybe they couldn't do it. One of the things we strive to create is confidence and independence. And so we get people out to do these adventures and really see them smile, hear their laughter, you know, have an all around good time. And if you haven't been around anything like that or what they like to call a deer camp or a fish camp, the camaraderie there is something that unless you experience it and have been there, you can't really talk about it. But it's amazing. When you're there, you're just another person. You're not a blind person. You're not, you don't have a disability. We tend to do our camps with able-bodied people, so it's all-inclusive, and all the people we work with have been trained on how to work with blind folks, and they know that the word blind is not a bad word, and everybody's okay with them using it. Let me explain a little bit about what we do on a fishing trip. So one of our guides, is his name is Mark Bush, and he owns Twisted Waters Guide Service, and he lives on the Columbia River in the border between Oregon and Washington. And he facilitates all of the fishing equipment, baiting the hooks, and uh, he will even fillet out the catches that we have. There's actually a fishing camp going on this weekend here in Washington State on the Cowlitz River for something that they call Steelhead. That is going to be our first big one for the year. What you do as a member would be go out on the boat with him. He has all the safety equipment. You basically are in charge of the rod. When you feel a fish hit the rod, then you get all the experience from that. You get to set the hook. You get to bring in the fish. We take your pictures and we get to do everything. You even can cook that fish at the end of of the day uh, back at camp if you want to. That's a whole experience there is, forgive me, I get a little bit worked up because this is something that's very near and dear to me. When I lost my sight, I didn't think I was going to be able to go out and do the things I was going to do. Um, I'm 41 and I lost my sight uh, when I was 36. So I've been on both sides of the coin. So being involved in this is something uh, that is very, it fuels the fire, the internal fire that I have. So if I get choked up, I apologize. But getting the people out on these adventures is what really is what this is all about. It's never about me and it's never about Lance. It's about our members. And what we can get them to accomplish and show them that there is life beyond the couch or life beyond, you know, the normal everyday life. You get out and do something a little bit different. Try to do the next generation sports, if you will. Our hunting trips are, the one I went on was there was about 12 people, four of which were blind. The rest were all able-bodied folk. Uh, I was here in Washington state, but I have been all over the country. I've been to Indiana and Mississippi. Um, I've traveled to Texas and to Chicago and back home here in Washington. And deer camp is way different than fish camp. Deer camp is one of those places where you are sharing a completely vulnerable moment when you take your animal or somebody around you takes their animal and you get to share that with them, that's a moment that I think everybody should experience, you know, and it doesn't have to be 
taking an animal or it just getting out and going camping, anything like that, being out and sharing an experience with somebody in the outdoors is what this is all about. And we are even open to people giving us ideas on what they would like to do. We have had several people give us different ideas on water skiing, or we even had a guy tell us he wanted to get a bunch of a group of people together to go on a corn picking trip in the Midwest States, which we thought was different, but not a terrible idea. I've been fortunate enough to take some people on a mushroom picking trip, which was really great. Uh, you get a bunch of blind folks together and everybody smells and feels something different when they pick up a mushroom. We go with the Mycological Society here in Washington and they tell us anything and everything they can about mushrooms. Obviously, they don't let us touch the mushrooms that could be poisonous or have some kind of nastiness to them. But it's really, really kind of a cool idea to go and experience something that I've never done, which I've never done the mushroom picking. So that was a lot of fun. We're a little bit over 100 people strong in our membership right now. Like I said, you don't have to be local to Washington State. You can join from anywhere around the country. We have members from coast to coast and border to border. So this is something that if you wish to get involved, um, we would be more than more than love to have you guys there. This is uh, this is like I said, something that it'll change your life forever. Not unlike anything that the other panelists are going to be talking about. Everything we do is by donation only. So we sell some things. We have t-shirts that we sell with our logo on it. Um, we have our own brand of coffee that we sell. And we have an online store on our website, which I'll give to you just in just a little bit. Um, we have coffee cups, t-shirts. We have our sponsorship is done by a lot of big companies in the hunting world, outside of the hunting world. Uh, and we sell some of their products on there as well. Um, and if you don't wish to join, but you want to see what it's all about and you want to see how we do the things we do, you can also find that on our website. And that website is www.nabsnaabs.org. And if you want to see the products we have, you can go to the menu and hit the shop button and you, it'll take you there. You can scroll through the whole website and it tells you about our background. Um, there's some videos up there. It tells you about who we are, kind of our mission statement. And uh, our mission really in a nutshell is to change the way the world views blind folks uh, one person at a time. One of the biggest things I've taken from this is independence. Not unlike a lot of people, I believe I had lost all of my independence when I went blind. I was a driver, you know, I love to go everywhere. And being involved in this nonprofit has really given me the strength to travel around the country on my own. Um, I did it the first couple of times with Lance and another friend of ours. And uh, now I can go coast to coast by myself. And um, there's a lot of pride to be held there, you know, uh, and it's changed my life at home. I get to go out and do the things that I love and it's made me a better person at home, which in turn makes the family life better. I have three daughters and I'm married and uh, everybody notices a difference in the way I was to the way that I am. So we would recommend, of course, that you join us and you can join also on that website, which again is www.nabs.com. Org. And another way you guys can view what we do and the kind of things that are going on is to go check out some of our Facebook pages. The one we have, it focuses on our TV show, which we have on the Sportsman's channel called Adaptive Pursuits TV. 
the TV show is all about the members, how they've gotten out and overcome their blindness and really have been able to shine in a world that they may never have done or may have never thought they could do again. And uh, you can find that on demand. I believe it's on Hulu as well. You can search Adaptive Pursuits TV on the Sportsman's channel. And that is the name of the Facebook page as well, Adaptive Pursuits TV. You look that up and you can see everything we do, everything we've done. There'll be upcoming events as well as we post those events on our Facebook page. The fee to join is a $25 fee and that's for a lifetime. That fee covers travel, food, things like that. What we're getting into now is having people work and do fundraisers with us as well. The membership is helping. Um, we just opened a chapter in Oklahoma and our buddy Kenny Blair is the president down there and he is working. There's a knife and gun show down there that he's been doing. Lance and myself, I've done one gun show here in Washington state and Lance has done two. And uh, those really help. And people really like to get involved with what we're doing. I hate to put it this way, but we really open up a lot of eyes to people and, and have them realize that blind people can do things. We just have to do them a little bit different. And that is another huge message for us is we can do it. We may not be able to do it like able-bodied folks do, but we can do it a little bit different and still get it done. And that's some of our pride right there. I'm very fortunate to have fallen into the role that I've been doing. Um, I've taken a step back recently and I have found myself a job, which is great. And I'm going to get back into the role um, of the Washington state chapter president. And I get the most joy out of taking somebody. It is never about me and Lance. Like I said, I get the most joy out of taking somebody out and listening to them light up and watching their face light up. That's what drives me to do what I do. And everything we do in this nonprofit is about our membership and changing the world. So we would love to have everybody that's listening. If you have an idea, if you have, you know, you want to go fishing, you want to go hunting, we can facilitate that. All you got to do is become a member and you can even send me an email. My email is Tom, T-O-M, at nabs, N-A-A-B-S dot org. And you can even send an email to Lance if you'd like. His is lance at nabs.org. And we would love to talk to you guys about any other questions you may have. If you just want to chat about what we do and see if it's something maybe you're into, we would love to talk to anybody and everybody about it. Awesome. I, and Tom, did you have anything else? Or? No, I just wanted to ask how we were doing on time there. Yeah, I think we're good. I did want to ask, do you happen to know if that TV show you mentioned, is that available with audio description? Do you know? I believe it is going to be uh, what the way we're filming it is with audio description. So the guy that's filming it, he talks about what we're doing, things that are going on. We have another season coming out in January will be the second season and they are working on getting it auto audio described. So that is something that we are working on currently. And uh, it's not as easy as we thought it would be to get it audio described, but we're definitely working on it. That's great to hear. And uh, if you're willing to, to take some questions at the end on the organization, if anyone has questions for Tom, feel free to, to save those for the end. Absolutely. I'll be here. Appreciate it. All right. So let's go ahead and move on to our skateboarders uh, north of the border there in Canada. And I'll turn it over to Curtis and Matt now. Yeah, thank you so much. Thanks for having us here. We're super stoked to um, join in with uh, the passion that we've been hearing with um, blind hunting. I don't even know how that works. Tom, Tom Fisher, your, your passion for what you do 
it kind of aligns with the passion that we have for skateboarding, um, just in much more of like an elbow road rash kind of a way. But um, I'll, I'll start off. My name is Matt Jans from Calgary, Alberta, and I've been skateboarding for 26 years, which makes me feel old, but whatever. I'm still going. Um, and I, my, I, my recent, I've recently been going and getting really into adaptive skateboarding um, just because of my own vision loss due to retinitis pigmentosa. But also, um, I've had a lot of the skateboarding community here in Calgary, Alberta, really empower me to continue to skateboard. Uh, friends who have helped me start up a club called Skate Bats. Uh, Skate Bats being a small club that helps uh, low vision and blind individuals uh, unlock skateboarding for themselves, however that might look, and then introduces them into Calgary's skateboarding community and uh, skateboard culture, culture as a whole. One of my Skate Bats students, I met him at uh, one of my first Skate Bats, and he's actually here, and his name is? That would be me. I am Curtis, uh, and I am as well from Calgary. Um, yeah, and so that's kind of where it leads into my side of the story. So... How I understood it was Skate Bats didn't really, uh, wasn't around for long before beforehand. And I participated in one of Matt's uh, quote unquote try it sessions where you just come out and give it a shot for a time or what or two or whatever, something like that. And before that, I had never stepped foot on a skateboard before. And I remember Matt, like, I remember Matt asking me, are you sure you've never done this before? Because he was mind blown with like what I was able to do. And so Matt and his volunteers just made it such an amazing uh, environment to learn in as someone with a visual impairment, um, Matt teaching as a person with a visual impairment, and then I coming in learning with one uh, uh, because I live with a condition called aniridia. I had never stepped on a skateboard. Matt kind of um, made that such an amazing environment for me to learn in. And then that day was actually a two session day. So at the end of it, we were kind of messing around with some different things. Matt had some ideas flowing through his head. And I found that this worked actually fairly well, to be completely honest with you. Matt knew what he was talking about. <laughs> um, but I felt like I could um, add a bit more to it. And I am actually a member of the CNIB, which is the Canadian National Institute for the Blind. So I'm a member of their National Youth Council. and it really uh, honestly happened at perfect timing um, last year. So it's going to be coming up one year here in, uh, in August that I was presented with the opportunity to get grants for community service enhancement projects. And so I presented this idea to Matt about kind of trying to expand on accessible state parks and what he had already done. And he loved it, like immediately loved it. And so every single time we talked, this idea that we had just kept growing bigger and bigger and bigger. And here we are thinking we can get the smallest grant size at $250. And then we talked ourselves up to $1,500 just in a matter of conversations because we just kept getting so many ideas. Another thing that happened was when I heard Curtis's idea that he wanted to continue to increase our skate park adaptation kind of methods catalog was I'd made two phone calls, I think, into the skateboarding community here in Calgary. One to a, a Everett Tett, who is a marketing manager for New Line Skate Parks. And the other was uh, Jared Anderson. He owns uh, a, an indoor skate park 
very important here in Canada to have uh, indoor skate parks. Um, but just in two phone calls, our idea exploded. Like the Cal- Calgary skateboarding community just immediately started supporting in ways that we never would have imagined. Um, and they really showed us, along with like the CNIB and all our, our kind of um, blind people <laughs> um, organizations, <laughs> but that they were supporting us right away. But the 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 Canadian or the, the Calgarian skateboarding community really made it possible, or they really showed us that they're ready for there to be more diversity in skateboarding and they're ready to empower people like me and Curtis to step up to the plate and make skateboarding work for ourselves. So within like two phone calls, we just had a bunch of support. We had facility rental. We had consultation for new skate park features. Our, our shop nine times I'm wearing their toque nine times. Uh, they hit us up with free gear and just a ton of stuff. And we're in return able to cycle a bunch of like grant money back into their into their program. So it's led all the way. We've been so supported by uh, the skateboarding world uh, globally that we're now actually working with Tony Hawk's Foundation uh, to make skate parks around the world uh, more inclusive towards people with visual disabilities. So the support that we've received from from skateboarding has really empowered us to do what we do, which is Curtis. Yeah, and so as Matt had said, I think the most important part of this whole story was the the support we received from Calgary's skateboarding community. I think that's what got us off the ground per se. As Matt had said, we got facility rental and we got all of this and that. And so we went to an indoor skate park called The Compound, which Matt had already uh, previously mentioned. And we took a different approach to this. Uh, it's an indoor skate park with a bunch of different ramps and it's all of these different obstacles but one thing we've noticed with a lot of these parks is a lot of them just are the same color and indoor parks are different because you have different conditions and everything but we brought um a group of six or seven participants in and we had weekly sessions with them throughout the months of september and october and the first time we brought them in We had them walk around the park or stayed around the park however they wanted to move. We got them around the park with minimal or zero assistance. And then we posed the question to them afterwards, if you could fix anything about this park to make it easier for you to navigate, what would you change? And so from that, we were able to take that information. We took some in, we took that information for what we thought worked best for ourselves, but also the others and what could work best for each person in individually, but also combine it as a whole. So we were able to take that, that information and combine all of that so that we had some starting point of where we wanted to go with adaptations to the skate park. So Curtis, I'll just bring up a silly little slideshow that I came up with late last night <laughs> with some Sharpie markers. And uh, we'll take you through our, our favorite skate park adaptations that get our kids moving in a skate park and, and build their confidence. So Curtis is just going to share his screen and then I'll be uh, I'll do lots of audio description on there on these silly little images. You should be able to see that. Yeah. Can you can you play? Um, is there like a play mode? Yeah. Just Put let me know. Yeah. Hit it. OK, so um, we have three main tri- uh, adaptations that we really like that really combat um, what me and Curtis call the sea of gray. That is a, a concrete, a gray concrete skate park. So one thing we lay down for our kids every time we go is we actually use a neon colored duct tape. It's very guerrilla tactics, but it's, we take neon colored duct tape, 
orange or pink or pink with white, or we have a couple different variations. But we actually place a strip of duct tape at the bottom of a ramp where, the, where it transitions from flat ground to angle change ramp, so up or down. Um, so there's a, a high contrast marker that marks the beginning of a ramp. And then also, uh, if you reach the bottom or the top of the ramp, we also mark that up too. So with kids who can only see 10 feet ahead of them or not, not even, what we've noticed is if even just this very simple adaptation of marking out the or defining the shape of a ramp, like from top to bottom with just a little bit of high contrast, that gets kids moving. It changes their movements from not being at, at confident at all to actually increasing confidence with every run. So we call that transition markers. Um, and uh, if we have enough duct tape, we'll actually do it just to the whole park, just for ourselves <laughs> when we're skateboarding. So it's pretty funny to see a bunch of skateboarders watch us like lay duct tape on their ramps, but it's also pretty, <laughs> It's a, a good, um, it's good skate evangelism for our cause. So transition markers, Curtis, you can go to the next one if you want. It is. And the transition markers really help with those of us, especially myself, who have minimal or no depth perception. Just wanted to throw that in. Totally, totally. One thing that uh, I really like, this next slide here, it shows just a yellow line going across the slide. We lay down really long strips of yellow or orange uh, tape that, that take our skateboarders down like what we call a safe route. So Whatever skate park we're at, um, we lay out like kind of like a, a planned route for the each kid to like walk through first and then try to start to board. But if they if we have this yellow line or like an orange line that takes them through the whole route, that actually alleviates their need to see at distance and they can just focus on following the line, following the safe route pathway and making sure that they are tracking whatever transition markers are coming up, depending on which ramps they're either going up or down. So a big long line uh, that's taken some of our kids across an entire skate park and it keeps them feeling safe, knowing that this line is not going to, you know, take them down some set of a set of stairs or, <laughs> or force them to trip into some rail that's, you know, that's part of the skate park. So safe route guidelines, we're calling it. And then we've even been experimenting with laying down little strips of wire underneath the, the yellow tape. Um, what this does is it actually gives you kind of a tactile or a haptic feedback under your feet as your board and your wheels roll over this line. So um, this is kind of us trying to work towards working with people with less and less vision who need to really work with extra sense, like um, people who are using a cane to skate uh, or other methods or whatever, like our sound beacons. Um, if we make that line have a bit of a feeling compared to the smooth ground um, on a skate park, if that line has a bit of a feeling, it's actually really a successful way to give kids a position, a non-visual positional reference to where they are in the park that is that keeps them on that safe safe route guideline. So that's been really fun to do. And then one more, I think we're gonna show off. So this is a drawing of a, a ramp <laughs> that goes up and then across flat and then down a set of stairs, which is the main part of skateboarding these days. Ever since the 1980s, us skateboarders have loved jumping down the stairs. And you can ask my knees, I've been doing it for 26 years. I have probably the knees of a 60 year old. Who knows, I don't know, I, I'm a little scared. Anyway, we've been using sound beacons that on, on these stairs here in this little drawing. There's a little sound beacon diagram, which is just a beeper box that we can buy kind of just online that uh, we use as a, like an audio position reference. So if there's a set of stairs that I would like to jump down, I actually put a beeper box right at the top step. And then it's kind of like a sound puck for beeper baseball or a, or a sounded ball for beeper baseball or a sounded puck for, for blind hockey. 
It's just that little bit of extra information that helps you ollie when you need to, to get down a set of stairs or bend your knees when you're going up a ramp or, or to honestly, we, it's so, they're so customizable. You can put it anywhere and use it any way you want that you can use a beeper box to stay away from a tripping hazard. If you, if you place it near a rail, then you know that the beeping is the source of a tripping hazard. So pretty flexible. We're still working on the best ways to, to use these elements with the kids, but so far, just these, even just these three adaptations really uh, make us feel included in the skate park environment for ourselves and, and really give us confidence to be skateboarders. Uh, we, we have more adaptations, but I think these are our main ones for the time being. These are the ones that Tony Hawk asked us for, for his uh, skate park uh, stuff. <laughs> yeah, we, we have other adaptations that we work with and everything that we're as well experimenting with different uh different options and everything but right now this is what we've been working with as our primary ones per se oh so in this slide here is just a picture of me and curtis going down a ramp and then in the in the photo that's kind of hard to see but there's transition markers under our feet and we're also following a guideline so curtis is ahead of me and he's cruising along and he's making a hooping and hollering sound i can just tell <laughs> And then I'm chasing him down the ramp as aggressively as I can. Cause all we do is just surf around and hoop and holler. <laughs> <laughs> and then another photo is of one of our students. There's a little arrow that says that's pointing to her with the label that says shredding cause she shreds <laughs> and she's going down a smaller ramp with transition markers underneath her feet. And then also the ledges that are around her are also painted a bright blue and that helps her define the ramp kind of on the sides, but like beside where she's skateboarding as well. Um, so that's just all part of our uh, downtown main park that we skate here in Calgary. And I think we just have one more slide that says the stoke is high. Yeah. <laughs> we just get stoked. Oh, and the vibes are good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man, that's yeah. Our Let me just pull everything back up again. Um, yeah, so that's, as Matt had said, that's pretty much primarily uh, adaptations that we use and everything else. And so from the first event and adaptations that we were able to create, we uh, received tons of momentum from that event. Honestly, we are still uh, riding the momentum from that event today. Um, and that, that event and that momentum got us to the point where we are talking with our local uh, municipal government um, and we are actually uh, having a our second ever accessible state park showcase event this Saturday, so July 24th, um, at our downtown local park um, where it will be able to be showcased in the public eye, in a public environment, just showing off what we are able to do, what our participants have learned, and what we're able to do as blind and visually impaired uh, skateboarders with minimal but um, extremely helpful adaptations. So with that, we've done tons, like with that momentum, we've done tons of podcasts, uh, media interviews, um, like you name it, we've done it kind of thing. And one of, and even speaking at this tonight is one of those things we received from that. And so as Matt said, the stoke levels are high. It's amazing to see the um, the support this has even received, especially from blind skateboarders, um, like professionals, uh, Dan Mancina and Justin Bishop from the States. Um, and so we've received a ton of stuff. And 
I'm just going to throw in a little plug here, but if you're interested, you're able to check out um, our showcase event. Uh, that's this Sunday, sorry, this Saturday. Um, it's going to be live streamed on YouTube. So you'll just be able to visit that if you hit our website, which is www.altroute.ca. Yeah, live streams getting set up. We have all our supporters kind of have, they all have commercials in the live stream. All the kids are going to be skating. All They're going to be doing all their maneuvers that they've been practicing all summer, which is pretty crazy. Lots of these kids have under 5% vision and they're skateboarding better than most of the world, relatively speaking. So we're, we're pretty excited to show off our skills and our adaptations. And I think what we do with these events, like the, the compound showcase last November and um, this event coming up here this Saturday, is it, they're all, it's all a big statement, I think. It all leads to us saying that we want to skateboard. We want to be skateboarders. And it's a big statement uh, for us to say, we're telling skate park designers and skateboard event planners that we want to be included in, in what they're planning. We want to be included in skate park design. We want these adaptations to be permanent. You know, mm-hmm. um, We want to be included in stuff like Dutour. Dutour just did a, their first adaptive skateboard competition just this past, just a couple of months ago. And so this is kind of us saying we want to be involved in that as well. And and I think what, what me and Curtis are finding is the more and more that we speak up for ourselves within the world of skateboarding, the more and more we are opening the door for other people who have low vision or mill vision to become skateboarders as well. Skateboarding is a pretty intimidating world to get into. It's a hard thing to do. It's very subcultural. Like we're pretty like protective over what we've accomplished and in the past hasn't been very inclusive, but, but these days, you know, with the community, how they've supported us over the last year and with what me and Curtis have been able to teach with, with Skate Bath and being at Millennium Park is that uh, blind people and low, visually impaired people, they're allowed to be skateboarders. They're allowed to assume that into their identity and use that as a, as a piece of their independence that they can gain back no matter how much vision they lose. Just like hunting and fishing, which honestly got me stoked. <laughs> I'd, I'd skate and then I'd go hunting and fishing and, and I would love to regain all that confidence through those activities, you know? So the more we do this, the more kids have access to skateboarding. And, and now with working with like skate park project and all these global programs, adaptive skateboarding is just getting better and better around the whole world. And we're stoked. We're stoked to be riding this wave and we're going to keep riding it for as long as we can. Already really appreciate it guys. Just want to make sure our, our last panelist has enough time here to present as well. Yeah. So did we go too long? That. Shoot. Sorry. No, no, definitely not. You're good. You're good. Okay. Perfect. <laughs> And again, if anyone Curtis has and questions, Curtis and I can talk about skateboarding so long. So, for we'll sure, no, no problem. Thank you so much. And again, if anyone has questions for Curtis and Matt, uh, we should get to those here pretty soon. But uh, I'd like to turn it over to Dr. Andre Watson now. Dr. Watson, it's all yours. Great. Thank you so much for having me again uh, to talk about uh, non-traditional sports um, for people who are blind. You know, this is a really interesting topic. And, you know, uh, when I was when I was younger and when I lost my eyesight and I was uh, diagnosed as um, legally blind by the age of nine and totally blind by 11, I didn't know there were any sports for the blind. But coincidentally, I grew up in a home where my mother uh, was a physical education teacher, and uh, she took no excuses. And so I remember how she loved sports, and she loved to watch sports. And uh, I, I actually learned about a lot of the mainstream sports from her, including football and baseball and basketball and hockey. 
And uh, when I was younger, I always wondered if I would ever get involved with sports. Would I ever do anything with my body? There were many people that, you know, implicitly or explicitly told me, you're blind. What do you think you can do? You should just sit down and 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 just be safe. Uh, and here we are today, uh, talking with people doing skateboarding and hunting and fishing, and that's amazing. You know, my my route uh, through sports was um, through some traditional or some sports that some blind people have been involved in, but that opened up the door for me for other things. I'm from a family that uh, where they love you. When they love you, they feed you. And since I was not very active as a child, I, I put on a lot of weight. Um, I took a lot of, I took um, some medications that put weight on me as well. And, uh, and I always wondered what would I do uh, my mother, I remember in 1989, there was a quarterback that won the Heisman Trophy. His name was Andre Ware. And my name is Andre Watson. And my mom used to say, I wish that was you. I wish you got into sports. And, uh, and so it was always our dream that I got involved in something. And someone told her, you know, blind people actually have gotten involved in wrestling. And we had never heard of that. And a colleague told me about it. And I ended up going to my uh, to a gentleman uh, who was the wrestling coach at my high school here in Philadelphia, uh, Central High. And I went up to this guy and I was nervous. And I said, Mr. Flaxman, uh, I understand you have a wrestling team. I think I'm interested in joining and I'm holding my cane. And I didn't know what he was going to say. And he said, well, let me tell you, one time we had an opportunity to fight the Overbrook School for the Blind. And the student said, oh, we're going to beat up on these blind kids. Ah, ha, ha. And, they, and, and, and he sort of made fun of them. And he said, but when we left, I had a wrestler on crutches. I had another wrestler in a sling, another wrestler with a... With a uh, uh, a neck brace on. And he said, if you want to join my wrestling team, you can join. Absolutely. Um, and that seemed to get the ball rolling for me in terms of sports, in terms of my self-confidence, my own uh, independence, and uh, me growing to be uh, to be an adult. If, if it weren't for sports, I don't know where I would be in my life. Um, and for activities and extracurricular activities. Uh, after I wrestled in high school, I went on to wrestle in college for a year, and I met some wonderful people at the University of Pittsburgh, uh, Sue Lichtenfels and Bob Lichtenfels, and they introduced me to goalball. And they are actually in leadership here uh, in Pennsylvania for PCB. And they introduced me to that, but, but they also introduced me to traveling. And being independent and taking a bus or a train or plane as a blind person and advocating for yourself. Um, and uh, that was wonderful. And I met friends here in Philadelphia. And it just opened me up for a whole social network of friends and competition. And so uh, after goalball, I did goalball for about 10 years, uh, even had a hand at, at golf at one point. 
so there are blind golfers. Um, and, and a neighbor of a good friend of mine, his name is Greg Gunteric. Uh, her name uh, is Gwen Smith. And she, uh, she had a vision for teaching blind people karate. Never heard of blind people learning any form of karate or Tang Sudo or anything like that. And what I understand is that uh, um, karate is not as sensationalized as, you know, pure karate is not as sensationalized as people jumping high in the air and doing these long kicks, um, you know, in the air. But really, um, traditionally, karate is a close sport with close contact. And so she taught us to do everything um, that she taught all of her students. And, uh, and, and there were a number of us, Greg and Darren and I and, um, and some other people, we, we all got involved, John and Steve Mulhern, and uh, we did really good. And we actually broke boards um, and we sparred with bells on. We put bells on our gloves and uh, we were told no hitting in the face. And so uh, we wore mouth guards and, um, and we had a wonderful opportunity experience to Im improve not only our stamina, but our self-esteem, our flexibility in a world that that people told us that we couldn't. This is stuff that we that we were told we could never do. And from there, uh, I ended up meeting uh, Dr. Mark Vink, happenstance, and he wanted to start a program in blind judo and uh, ended up practicing with him and Sensei Paul Latimer and Liberty Bell judo and. Uh, ended up learning judo and had a wonderful opportunity to represent the United States in China uh, in 2008. Um, and with judo, you don't have to see, uh, you just have to feel, um, and you just have to be ready to have fun. And uh, last year, just before the pandemic, Sensei Mark Vink actually released a book based on his years of experience working with blind judoka or judo athletes. And that book is entitled um, Teaching Fundamentals of Paralympic Judo. And now he is teaching other coaches on how to do it. And now we're finding out that the adaptations to teach blind kids and blind adults how to do judo actually helps sighted. And after, uh, you know, I still do judo. Uh, I've even... Uh, done jujitsu, do jujitsu as well. But in my leisure time with my daughter at home and uh, I've been to tournaments around the country, I've done something called audio darts. Now we're talking, right? We've got hunting, we've got fishing, we've got skateboarding, we've got some martial arts, and now we've got audio darts here today. And I'm just going just gonna to plug in my, my dart board so you can hear how it works and this is an audio dart dart master made by sam jasmine in minnesota and it's it's totally self-voicing so as a dart player you can play and do it independently we have tournaments there are tournaments all over the country um, where people come together and and have a great time now during the pandemic from what i understand people have actually been playing through zoom um so there's an honor system because you have to stand eight feet away and these dartboards actually have the uh the apparatus to 
to know how far you are. So here on this dartboard, it has a number of games, and I'm just going to scroll through some of the games. Training mode. So there's a training mode here where you can throw darts at the board, and it'll just tell you where you've landed the dart. So um, if I uh, if I actually throw a dart at the dart board, it'll tell me what I hit. So if I throw a dart at the board. Inside 14, a little left and a little high. So it told me a little left and a little high of the bullseye, and I had an inside 14. So this board is wonderful. That's training mode, and it has games like Count Up and 301 Countdown and 501 Countdown and Gotcha and, oh, man, baseball and all these wonderful games. And it, it's just a wonderful time. And I definitely understand when the panelists are talking about the the wonders of these games. They're, they're more than just fun, but but it, it, it gives you a, a sense of, of power, of life. Life isn't over just because you lose your eyesight. And in some ways, I dare say, life can be fuller. And so I'm glad to share some of my own experience here. And I actually share some of what I've been through implicitly and explicitly as a, as a clinical psychologist. We know that sports and extracurricular activities helps people's mental health. It helps people's self-esteem. It helps their relationships and their social skills. Um, so if you are somebody who's thinking about an extracurricular activity, there are choices out there. There are resources out there. And I would encourage you to get involved. You can reach out to me at Dr. Watson. That's D-R period. Andre spelled A-N-D-R-E. Watson, W-A-T-S-O-N, at yourvisionforlife.com. So that's Watson at yourvision, Y-O-U-R, visionforlife.com, which is the name of my business.